0: The following audio is from Acts Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Acts is available at ActsChurchLeander.com. Um, so going to Acts chapter 20, starting with verse 17. Now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. To care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own cells will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore be alert. how he himself said, "It is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. So that's the word of God for today. Well,
1: uh, this is it. This is my final sermon at Acts Church Leander. And uh, this was uh, far and away one of the hardest sermons for me to write. And uh, I'm not exactly sure what's going to happen in the next few moments, uh, but I'm pretty sure it'll be one of the hardest ones for me to deliver. So I'm just going to ask you on the front end, just kind of bear with me uh, in the next few minutes. I may just stand here and cry for 20 minutes and then sit down. We'll see what happens. Um, could be real wild. Um, but, but we are in a series, and we're going to keep going in it, and in, in it's called uh, His Father, Our Father... Uh, And in this series, we're looking at the doctrine of God, who God is, what his attributes are, how he works, but we're looking at specifically through the lens of the Lord's Prayer and in the life of Jesus Christ. And so the first week, we looked at our Father in heaven, and then the next week, we looked at at his kingdom coming amongst us, we looked at his reign in our life, Uh, and then last week, we looked at his will, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven, so we looked at his will being active in our life. And today, we're going to look at his provision, his provision. And we're going to do that by looking at the the fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer. uh, says this, give us this day our daily bread. And so we'll be looking at this reality that God provides all things for us. And if today weren't my last Sunday at Acts, uh, I'd probably just be up here and I'd talk to you about how he truly does provide for us in all things and and in daily life and food and drink and everything that we have. Uh, But given the uniqueness of today... Uh, What I want to do is talk about how God provides for his church. And so because uh, we're taking a detour that way, we're also going to take a detour from looking at the life of Jesus, and instead we're looking at a major transitional time in the early church, uh, in Acts chapter 20. And uh, and there's this point in Acts chapter 20, the the text that Rick read for us, where where St. Paul is leaving this church that he started uh, in a city called Ephesus, and I'd have to imagine that, uh, that you could tell, uh, even as Rick read it the first time, the sort of parallels that we see here. Uh, and I'm certainly not comparing myself to St. Paul, alright? He, he did a lot more than I will ever do. Uh, but, but ever since I first got the call to Michigan, the verses that Rick just read for us have just been pressed on my heart. Like, I could not escape them. Uh, in fact, so much so that, that the week uh, that I got a call to Michigan, I, I went out and, and I spent a day in the woods and I took my Bible with me, and, uh, and I just prayed and talked to God, and, and I read scripture, and I read this passage over and over and over again, and, and when I came back uh, home that evening, uh, Melissa, my wife, she, she asked me, she said, so, you know, what do you hear God telling you? And, uh, and I just started reading this text, and, and as I was reading it, I just started crying. I mean, you can ask her, it was just like ugly tears, you know, just like, like just a real ugly cry. Um, because uh, as I read this text out loud, um, all I could see were your faces and, uh, and how much I knew this would hurt. Um, but in the weeks that have followed, God has again and again shown his provision for me and for my family, and he's shown his provision for this local church. And so we're going to look at how Paul recognizes God's provision as he says goodbye to the church in Ephesus. Ephesus. And Paul recognizes God's provision in, you guessed it, Rick, three ways. Three ways. Uh, So uh, you can see the three points coming. First of all, he recognizes God's provision in the past. Then he recognizes God's provision in difficulty. And then he recognizes God's provision for eternity. Okay? God's provision in the past. God's provision in the face of difficulty. And God's provision in eternity. And so just you know, as we get into this text, if you were to look at the context of Acts 20, literally just a few verses before what Rick read for us this morning, uh, St. Paul is preaching a sermon and, and a guy falls asleep in a window while he's preaching and falls out the window and dies. So just be forewarned, like this sermon could be so boring, it might kill you, okay? Um, but St. Paul actually raises the guy back to life. I'm just not banking on any of us being able to do that, all right? So let's just, we'll stay awake, all right? So let's get into it. Uh, God's provision in the past. Look with me at verses 17 to 21. It says this. Now from Miletus, he, St. Paul, sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility And with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable. And teaching you in public and from house to house. Testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance towards God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. All right, so Paul knows that he's got to go. He knows he's got somewhere that the Spirit's living. So he calls together the leaders of this church uh, in the city of Ephesus, and he speaks these brilliant parting words to them, right? I mean, this is just poetic language that he has. It's just this, this gorgeous language that he speaks to them as he's leaving. And as I've announced that I'm leaving, the language has not been quite as gorgeous. Uh, for example, the, the Monday after I announced I was leaving, uh, we had our usual staff meeting, uh, and of course, at our staff meeting, we were talking about the fact that, that I, was, I was going. And, uh, and as we were finishing up talking about it, uh, Rick Maslink was just up here. Uh, I'll never forget the words he spoke to me. He patted me on the shoulder and he said, We'll never forget you, Pastor Greg. <laughs> <laughs> See, man, Saint Paul—he was shipwrecked, and he was thrown in prison, and he was almost killed for his ministry. But that man did not have to put up with the sass and the snark that I've had to. I'm just not sure which is worse, you know. Uh, anyways, as as as, as Paul is, is leaving Ephesus, this church he started, uh, he reminds them of the work he's done amongst them. And I don't know if you guys noticed this, but this is what he said. He said, "Hey, I've I've served with humility." And then he says, I've I've proclaimed the gospel in your homes and in public. And then he says, I've talked about Jesus to religious people and irreligious people alike. And as I look at that list, as I look at serving with humility and sharing the gospel in homes and in public and showing the love of Christ to religious and irreligious people alike, I can't help but think of the work of Acts Church Leander these last three years. These last three and a half years. See, uh, a a pregnant, Melissa and I, uh, showed up to Leander at the end of June in 2012. And I remember the first place we went was uh, the Leander Public Library uh, because we didn't have Wi-Fi yet, and so we had to use the Wi-Fi there. And and I remember as we walked into the library, the first thing we saw was this sign that said, warning, Scorpion spotted in the library. And as Midwest kids, we were just like, what have we gotten ourselves into? Uh, Little did I know that that, uh, scorpions would be the least of our adventures here. Uh, We spent our first nine months getting to to train at Axe Lakeway. And for those of you from there that are here today, thank you for being here. Uh, And then on February 3rd, 2013, uh, we had about 50 people gather in the Carrie's living room uh, to hear about the vision of a new church in Leander. Uh, And after that first meeting, I successfully whittled our group down from 50 to 25. (laughs) But those 25 people got to work. And we met from house to house, and we served with humility. And I remember cleaning up parks and handing out Cokes at the community pool and getting cursed at while we were hanging up door hangers in neighborhoods to invite folks to worship with us. And there's this one moment during a strategic planning meeting that we had as a launch team where, where, where someone said, hey, can, can we start to plan to, to launch another church even before we've launched ours? And it was in that moment that like, I knew I was blessed to be a part of something special. And so we launched Acts Church Lander for Public Worship in the gym at Pleasant Hill Elementary on September 8, 2013. And from that moment on, God has done some incredible things here through each of you. And I just want to share a few of them with you. Uh, we've grown from a launch team of 25 people uh, to a worshiping community uh, that is averaging nearly 200 people a weekend. Over the course of the last three and a half years, we've given away nearly $145,000 to people in need and to the start of churches locally and globally. We've served over 30 nonprofit organizations locally. We've had 45 people be sent on 12 different mission trips, serving as close as San Antonio and as far away as San Jose, Costa Rica. Uh, We launched Pubology, which boasts an average of nearly 50 people a month participating in public conversations on deep stuff. We've actually been sought out by people locally, nationally, and internationally that want to start their own Pubologies and are asking how to do that. And my advice to them has been to have a British guy MC it, because they sound so much smarter. Uh, we launched a Spanish language Bible study that has nearly a dozen regular attendees. We planted two churches, Axe Church Northwest and Axe Church Antioch. And for those of you from those churches that are here today, thank you for joining us. And they now uh, combined worship uh, close to 80 people on a weekend. We launched Acts of Love, our free child care center for teen parents, in which we've helped five girls graduate from high school. And we're set to have another two graduate this spring. We've confirmed ten students in the Christian faith and have another nine set for this May. And based purely on anecdotal evidence, we've seen dozens of you have a church home for the first time, or for the first time in a very long time. And by God's grace, we've seen 28 people baptized and united to Christ for eternity. And of course, there's uh, much more that I could go into, uh, but for the sake of time and for not losing it, uh, we'll leave it there. But here's the thing. I, I don't tell you all those numbers for my glory, and I don't tell you all those numbers for your glory. I tell you all those numbers for God's glory. Because sure, he's used us, but he's the one who's done it all. I remember when I was in uh, Costa Rica a couple of years ago and I met with Pastor Alberto. He was the pastor of this big church in this city. There's this massive church that's revitalizing his entire city and I got to sit down and meet with him and learn from him. And he said to me, Gabe, never forget this. He said, Gabe, God has done more in spite of me than because of me. God has done more in spite of me than because of me. And God has done more in spite of us than because of us. Because our God provides. He provides as we serve in humility. He provides as we proclaim his truth in our homes and in public. He provides as we love others, both Christian and non-Christian alike. Our God provides. He's provided in the past, and he's going to provide as we head into some more difficult times. Look with me at verses 22 to 24. And now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself, if only am I finished my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And so Paul says here, he says, hey, God has provided for us over the last few years. And he says, and now God is sending me to Jerusalem. And he says, and I don't know what's going to happen to me there, except that it's going to be really hard. It's going to be really difficult. But then he says, but it doesn't matter. He says, it doesn't matter. because all I care about is that I can continue to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. All I care about is that more and more people would hear about the grace of God. And again, I say that, and and I'm no St. Paul. But i got to tell you, this set of verses has resonated with me so deeply. Because listen, Ann Arbor, Michigan is not glamorous. It's just not. My role there is not glamorous. It's a smaller church than ours. It's an older church than ours. And so when the call came, I, I told Melissa, I, I said, baby, the, the, the only way that we're going, the only way we're going to say yes to this if we feel, is if we feel absolutely compelled by the Spirit to go that's the only way we'll go and we do that's what's happened see Leander's a, a city of about 60 to 65, or I'm sorry is, is a city in which about 60 to 65% of people would self-identify as Christians and about 17% of those people are actually connected to the local church Ann is a city in which about 28% of people would self-identify as Christians which means about 8% are connected to the local church and those numbers just pull on my heartstrings. But it's not just those numbers. Uh, a few months ago, I was, I was talking with my dad, uh, who, as many of you know, is, is a pastor as well. And he lives in the area there and has been filling in uh, at University Lutheran Chapel, where I'm being called to. And he's been filling in there. And he shared with me that after he preached there one Sunday, uh, a young lady came up to him in tears. And, and, and she said, Pastor Casper, that's what he goes by, Weird, um, and, uh, and and uh, and she said, Pastor Casper, you know, I, I I try to represent Jesus every day at my work. She said, I, I graduated from here from the University of Michigan a year ago, and I work in a research lab here now. And none of my coworkers are Christians. She said, but I got nowhere to invite them. And my dad said, well, why, why don't you invite them here? And she said, come on, look at this place. It's too churchy. There's no way that they'd come. And that story just hit my heart. Like, like the whole reason Melissa and I got into church planting is because we wanted to create a place where we could invite our friends who didn't know Jesus. So we could create a place where those who are far from God might be brought near. And I thought, God, we, we've got to do this there. We've got to do this for these people. But I'm telling you guys, it's going to be hard for us. It's going to be hard for me. I've got, I've got friends in that area uh, who've already contacted me. And there are people there uh, who've known me before I was a pastor, right? So there's no illusion of holiness here. Like, <laughs> like, like, like they, know me, they knew me when I was a kid with a mohawk and a lip ring smoking camel lights, right? Like, like, people who know about and have experienced and, quite frankly, have been hurt by the errors of my youth. People who I, quite frankly, still feel insecure around. I just do. And God's made it so clear that that's exactly who he's sending me to. Uh, There's areas of my heart that He's going to have to work on in order for me to bring the gospel there. And it's going to be really humbling. It's going to be really hard. But He will provide. But of course, it's not just about Him providing for me, it's about Him providing for you. Look at verses 28 to 31. "...pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which He obtained with His own blood." Uh, is is from the Latin uh, meaning shepherd. To be a pastor is to be a shepherd. Someone who cares for a flock, cares for sheep. And the reality is y'all aren't going to have one for a while. And it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. It just is. And as Paul says here, he says, the enemy is going to send in wolves from outside and from within that are going to seek to take y'all off mission. They're going to seek to distort the gospel. They're going to seek to stop the work that God is doing in this place. And Paul says, verse 31, be alert. Don't let that happen. He says, remember God's Word as I taught it to you. Listen, Jesus has bought each one of you with His own blood. Jesus' Spirit is living inside each of you. Don't let the enemy get a foothold. Trust that God provides in the season ahead. It's been so amazing to see this church come together in the last four weeks. That we've seen our church, Axe Church Leander, get reached out to by the by the Axe Church Network. That leaders from around our network have said, "Hey, what can we do to help you guys in the next phase?" And we've gotten, to, I've gotten to see our formal leaders, our elders, our management team, our community group leaders, our staff rise up and take new levels of leadership, new levels of ownership. And then I think of so many of you that have reached out to me and to others to say the church isn't done with its work. That the mission here is not complete. That no wolves are going to stop what God is doing here. And so please, in the midst of difficulty, trust that God continues to work through this local church. And so support your leaders here. And care for one another. Stay faithful to God's word. Continue to serve the city and love those that God has placed in your life. God will provide in difficulty and he'll provide through his people. And finally, we see in this text that God will provide eternally. Look with me on verse 32. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. All right, so Paul concludes his message to the Ephesian elders by saying, now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. In other words, Paul says, I trust that God is in control right now, that he's hanging on to you in the midst of this. And then he says, and that you will stay in the word of his grace. Now, that phrase, the word of his grace, is kind of a weird phrase, right? Like, like, what does that mean? To be commended to the word of God's grace. And in the 21st century, we might be tempted to say, oh, well, he's talking about the Bible. But the Bible was not done being written at this time, so it can't be the Bible. So what's the word of his grace? Well, what's the ultimate expression of God's word of grace? It's Jesus Christ. That scripture calls Jesus... The word made flesh and that on the cross jesus shows us that he's the ultimate expression of god's grace for us and so as i was thinking about how i was going to end this sermon i thought you know what maybe we'll, we'll kick it classic gabe casper style right i'll make a reference to the green bay packers uh, or the crop tops or, uh, or maybe I'll quote David Foster Wallace or, or Soren Kierkegaard. Hey, all right. Come on. Yeah, yeah. All right. good. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or maybe I'll finish with, with some self-deprecating story. But, uh, but none of that will do. None of that will do. Uh, while I, I may have some reoccurring themes uh, from up here, I may have some reoccurring themes in my sermon. My prayer is that the predominant theme that the predominant word that you've heard spoken up here is of Jesus Christ. Because it's all about Him. It's all about Jesus. And I've told you this before, uh, but, but I grew up in a, in a traditional church, a very traditional church, and, and every Sunday my dad would get up to preach. He got his robe on and the, the whole deal, and, uh, and he'd get up and he'd kneel at the altar and he'd pray. And I remember as a kid, I was like, Dad, what, what are you praying? And I'd stare up there, and I'm sure it's just something deeply spiritual and mystical and just incredible. And, and so I went up to him one Sunday, and I said, Hey, Dad, what, what do you pray right before you preach? And he said, Gabe, I, I like to keep it really simple. He said, I just, I just pray this prayer. Lord, don't let me make you look stupid. Amen. <laughs> and uh, And I've adopted that prayer. And, uh, and hopefully it's been answered uh, but there's another thing my dad taught me about preaching and that in, in his pulpit my home church he has a little slip of paper that he's taped on the inside of the pulpit and it's got John 12:21 on it which simply says sir we wish to see Jesus because that's what it's all about And that's my deepest prayer for each of you. That you'd see Jesus, that you'd continue to see Jesus, because he's the means through which God has provided for you eternally. And so uh, he's the one who came into the world so that nothing can ever, ever separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Scripture tells us not height, nor depth, not angels, nor demons, not pain, or suffering, or fear. Neither a church with me as the pastor, or a church without me as the pastor can ever, ever, ever separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. That's what it's all about. And so let me just say this, if if you're here today and you're still not sure of that, if you're here today and, and you don't believe that yet, let me just plead with you one last time from this stage. Believe in Jesus Christ. He loves you. He came for you. He died on the cross for you. He rose again for you. Trust in him. Bind your life to him. There is, he is infinitely better than anything else this world has to offer. He just is. He just is. And those of you that do trust in Jesus, continue to trust in him now. He's faithful. He's faithful. He will provide. He's with you now and always. One final thought before I'm done. Look with me at verses 36 to 38. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. And so we see here, Paul says goodbye, and they weep, they hug, they kiss, they mourn that they won't see him again, and then they accompany him to his ship. Now, of course, since we live in the 21st century, not the first century, you will see me again. But otherwise, this is where we're at, isn't it? We've prayed, we've wept, we've hugged. Not kissed so much. It's fine. It's fine. Just wait. Just, just wait, oh.) <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Tony. Oh Lord. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, and now you've all walked me to my ship. You walked me to my ship. And so I just want to say thank you. Thanks for walking me to my ship. Um, Everywhere I get to speak, I get up front, and I introduce myself, and I say I'm Gabe Casper. I'm a pastor down in the Austin area. And I say, I get to pastor the best church in the entire world. And everyone laughs because they think I'm kidding. And I'm not. Um, To have been your pastor has been one of the greatest joys I'm ever going to experience in life. So thank you. My, uh, My folks were in town last week. And my mom met a bunch of you. And, and afterwards she said to me, she goes, why are you leaving these people? <laughs> she goes, they're, they're incredible. And I said, I know. I know. And so thank you for the cards and for the emails and for the gifts and the prayers and the notes and the phone calls and the hugs and the laughter in the last few weeks. And Melissa and I love you all so deeply. We're going to miss you all. But let's all hold on to the promises that we have in Jesus. Let's all trust that he'll continue to provide for us now and forever. Let's talk to him now. Lord Jesus, you've provided for us in the past You'll provide for us in the days ahead. You'll provide for us into eternity. We praise you for that, God. God, I pray for myself and my family that you would take care of us as we move on to the next step in our journey. And God, I pray for this church. Oh, Lord Jesus, that You would continue to be exalted here, that You'd continue to be proclaimed here, that these people would continue to cling to You, to follow after You, Lord. That You would be our hope, that You would be our center. Pray for each one of my friends, Lord, that are gathered here today. They trust in You to provide for them in the days ahead. We pray this all in Your holy name, Jesus. Amen.